Hello and welcome to Giant Mess, a sloppy sports and entertainment talk show that covers New York Giants football, Mets baseball, movie reviews, TV show recaps and reactions, along with some life lessons and funny stories along the way. It's hosted by a giant mess. That's me, the real cinch, Neil Lynch. I'm a former college quarterback and pitcher, film and media studies major, super tough curriculum, and a current overthinker. You can leave a voicemail at 862-248-1986. Let me know what's going on in that that dome of yours. On today's episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Mets. Are they worth talking about? Probably not. But I'm gonna give you the hardest, tightest, most delusional spin zone you ever done heard. Uh, we'll put the cherry on top of the devil's Sunday, right? It's been a week. How do we feel after they've been eliminated by the Carolina Hurricanes? And then the giant schedule was released. NFL schedule release was last week. I haven't really chimed in on it, and I know you've been chomping at the bit to hear about that, to hear my brain farts about <laughs> the schedule, my predictions game by game, my thoughts. The world has been waiting, and the wait is over. So with that, let's get it started up in here. The New York Metros are playing some really bad baseball. But I will say this. The streak of losing series came to a close. <laughs> we lost seven series in a row before the Washington National Series that took place uh, Mother's Day weekend, and we split. And that, to me, is a win. <laughs> uh, they're about to lose to the Tampa Bay Rays. 8-3 in the bottom of the ninth, but we'll go back, way back, to the Red Series. 7-6 loss. David Peterson still smells. Three and a third, seven hits, four earned. Two walks, four Ks. Not exactly what you want out of Peterson. Kind of a downer. A real bummer. You know, had a strong spring. And, like, I think was going to be a factor in the bullpen if everything turned out all right, if people didn't get hurt, if there weren't rosin, right? It, it's like, I kind of felt good about that combo of Peterson and McGill, you know, out of the bullpen or spot starters or long relief. And uh, and he's been now, he's now been optioned to AAA Syracuse, which doesn't mean we're not going to see him again. I think that's like really funny how like someone like Peterson gets optioned Escobar just went deep, two-run home run, no big deal, bottom of the ninth, 8-5. Don't you stop believing. Don't stop believing. Hold on to the feeling. Street lights, people. All right. Maybe they don't come back and win this, but the fact that they're showing some fights, that's what you got to take away from this debacle. From this absolute horrific slump that we're going through, you know, I saw some people on Twitter saying, like, where's the fight? No one's getting angry. No one's getting pissed. And 
and this and that. Like, I need more emotion. I need more passion. And I'm saying to myself, no, no. I think younger me, a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, would have been like, where's the fight? Where's the passion? Where's the emotion? And I'm going to say this. It's fucking May. So much can happen. There's so many games left. Uh, for them to like blow a gasket at game 42, what's the point? What is the point of losing your shit and throwing things in the clubhouse and pissing off your teammates? I don't think that you need to get super duper Jeff McNeil level angry at every loss. You're going to have losses, you're going to have wins. You're going to have slumps, you're going to have streaks. The streak is coming, guys. It is coming so hard. Giggity. So yeah, who knows what, I mean, Peterson, we're, like, people are writing him off. He could be our savior down the stretch. He could be, he could be the guy that comes in in the playoffs, big spot, and gets the final out. Gets us out of a jam. You gotta stop writing off these players. You gotta stop sending them to an early grave when it's like, you know, there's just plenty of plenty of season left. Um, you know, Nagosik, who is a dude that I love and cherish day to day, love the broom stash on the upper lip, but uh, not a great outing against the Reds in that 7-6 loss. You know, three earned runs, and that was pretty much it for the Mets in that game. Uh, Wednesday, May 10th, we get the 2-1 win. Verlander showing why he was a Cy Young last year and uh, providing a glimpse of hope. He provided a glimpse of hope um, against the Reds. I think he provided a glimpse of hope against the Nats. He did not look good against the Rays tonight. I think he uh, evaded some big scares early on, and then it just all caught up to him. Um, and uh, he got he got knocked around a bit. They eat him up a little bit. So yeah, Mets lose 8-5 in game one against the uh, the Rays. I wouldn't be shocked if we get swept. Rays are the best team in baseball. I know they split with the Yankees coming into this. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 heading into this game um, in a very competitive AL East where everyone is above 500. But it's... I don't know that you're going to get like elite Verlander all season long. We already saw that you're not going to get elite Scherzer all, all season long. And I'm not asking for elite all season long. Again, I'm asking for a strong finish to the second half. Something that we have not put together. We have not had a strong second half finish. I'm talking like September baseball. Important September baseball where we finish strong in September. And I don't know, even know how effing long because even in 2015 when we went to the world series like the division was basically ours by the time september rolled around i could be very wrong about that but i feel like we took it to the nats who were the 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 main threat in 2015 in august and it was like we took care of them and then that was that and then september we pretty much coasted and we actually like lost a bunch of games heading into the postseason and it, it concerned me cuz it was like everyone talks about momentum and how important that is and that, and we're just like lost 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 we ended up with 90 wins when and um 
you know, ultimately it didn't matter because Daniel Murphy was a superhero that postseason. But uh, it's just it's good to have Verlander back. I know he got knocked around in the in the Rays game, but it is good to have him back. I'm still not crazy about the move. <laughs> I know, like I'm like the one guy who's like wasn't crazy about it. I I'm also probably one of the few people that wasn't crazy about the Scherzer signing. We just been burned so many times by guy players that are were have been so good for so long, and then we sign them right at the tail end of their career. Willie Mays is a great example, probably the earliest example, but uh, just a bunch of dudes that it's like they're past their prime. Um, and I mean they they did have a graphic on Verlander today that was pretty impressive, where it was like him like most it was like after the age of 40 something 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 about old age right and there was like five pitchers in that that have done what what that metric was that measurement and like the other four were from like 1920 <laughs> like i've never heard of these dudes in my life um so yeah it's great to have success late in your career uh not in love with the dude, but it's like you kind of take what you can get at this point. And we didn't get the kind of outing we needed out of him against the Rays, but it's the friggin' Rays, dude. I mean, like the the, the graphics that SMY was putting up during this broadcast were just bananas. Like one through eight of the lineup has an OPS over 800 or something like that. Like they, they're all like leading the league in pretty much every category that you can ever think of. Um. So uh, not really high expectations against the Rays. It's like, just nobody get hurt. <laughs> just have fun out there. No one get hurt. Um, the Thursday, May 11th game, 5-0 loss against the Reds. Um, Alvarez, two for four. You know, and this is this is where it's starting to, um, in terms of our pitching, like Kodai Senga was, I said last episode, he was Mr. Consistent, and he's like our one shining like you know morsel of hope the one silver lining to our starting rotation and then he you know gives up eight hits five earned um over five innings he was the one guy that could like get to the sixth and through the sixth and he he couldn't do that for us so um a lot of shutout losses this year we'll get into it when we get to the stats some of the like key stats that i've picked up over the past week and uh we we're getting shut out a lot and I know we shit on the pitching a lot, but goddamn, the offense just kind of just, it's, they just like black out and they just, they just, they just lose all their power. They just, they just forget how to hit once in a while. It's just, we get blanked and it's like, whoa. Um, So yeah, we, we lose the series against the Reds, we lose two or three of the Reds who were, who aren't great. They weren't great coming into the series. And I thought that was the Reds would be an opportunity to take two of three. So as much as we thought that the Rockies was <laughs> the Rockies lost the series loss to the Rockies was like rock bottom. Feels like the, maybe the Red series was rock bottom. Like we can't go any lower than that, right? And uh, we'll see. But the fact that we split the series with the Nats. We ended that seven straight loss series streak slump, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, big 3-2 win Friday against the Nats in Washington, and we got a quality start from Tyler McGill. He didn't go six innings. He went five, but only gave up four hits, one earned. Four walks, hmm. four Ks, and then the bullpen came up big. David Robertson, one and two-thirds uh, with four strikeouts, was just huge. Adovino with a great outing, Brigham with a great outing, and Drew Smith with his first career I believe that was his first career MLB save. And then Francisco with all three of the Mets runs, knocking in all three of the Mets runs. Saturday was a fiasco by all accounts. Uh, rain delay for four hours. Like I honestly thought I kept it because I had, was watching I was watching movies pretty much most of Saturday night, TV Saturday into Saturday night. And I had SM, I had the SMY on the um, on the iPad, and I kept checking in. I was like, "They're still running the yearbooks, huh? Still running the yearbooks? Is this a glitch? What's going on here? Did someone fall asleep at the switch? Like, what? What is? Why are? Why is Major League Baseball, the Nats, the Mets, who, whoever's in charge here? Why are they holding out hope that this game gets played? They're only three innings played, four innings, three innings." before I got uh, shut down. And so uh, I know the booth was pretty pissed. Gary, Keith, and Ron were like, we've never seen anything like this before. This is uh, a black mark on Major League Baseball, like really going in on them. And uh, and then I think the, the, big, um, the big knock was announcing over the scoreboard, not like not announcing anything over the course of four hours, not giving any updates, and then throwing up a little update on the scoreboard. Like that scoreboard operator was just like, I'm just gonna type this real quick, hit send, and I'm out. I'm just gonna run to the parking lot. Part of a split admission doubleheader the next day, which is, as Gary Cohen said, unprecedented, right? Usually you have a single admission for all the fans that got gypped the night before no dice and so uh people were heated there was a there was a gentleman who screamed out bullshit i could read lips did you know that so split admission doubleheader on mother's day we stink on holidays our, ho- our record on holidays is bad our record on sundays is bad especially day games and so they continued the the picked up where they left off the sub- suspended game and uh came out with a 3-2 loss um, Joey Lucchesi gave us two innings. I guess he, uh, four hits, one earned. Steve Nagosek, three innings, two Ks. Dominic Leon, I believe that was his first appearance or his last appearance before this game against Tampa. Um, two innings, three hits, one earned. And then Dennis Santana, you know, we're talking about Peterson, like people writing him off. Den- Dennis Santana was optioned. And he comes back and he throws a pretty solid ending. One hit, one strikeout. No runs. The big story there was Michael Perez, Miguel Perez, Michael Perez, catcher, four for four with a run um, in those hot pink socks and gloves and all that cool equipment. Brandon Nimmo continues to rake. He knocked in one of the two runs that we did score. Um, Yeah, that's a bummer. Those are games that I think that we won last year that we're just not winning this year. Game two of the doubleheader, we had Max on the mound, and he goes five. Five innings, two hits, one earned, two walks, six Ks, uh, eight-two win. And this win, coupled with the 
3-2 win or the 2-1 win, 3-2 win on Friday night and the 8-2 win in game two of the doubleheader on Sunday, it got me believing, folks. Got me, got me believing, got me thinking maybe this is the turning point of the season. Marcana goes through for four with two, two ribbies and, and a run. Uh, Starling Marte goes two for four with two runs, two ribbies. Uh, those are the two guys that have been struggling the most over this slump. And for them to have a breakout game, you figure, okay, maybe they're off the schneid now. Maybe we can get back to our winning ways thanks to Canna and Marte, Marte getting back into the swing of things. We also had, I think this was the premiere, the debut of Zach Muckerhern. I think that's his name. Not great. Kind of rocky. Two hits, four, two innings, four hits, one earned, two strikeouts, but he gets out of the jam, and that's all you can ask for. Brooks Raley had a solid outing, although he did walk three in an inning. Yikes. Um, and Jeff Brigham continues to be pretty fairly solid. Again, early in the season, if this is a June outing for Mad, Mad Max, does he go six? Uh, I think there's a tendency with Buck, you know, veteran manager, to say let's not push some of the older pitchers earlier on in the season. We see how things turn out later on the season. There becomes there's fatigue becomes an issue, so we do want to ration these guys a certain to a certain extent and we also saw that with him in his usage of the bullpen over the slump not using Ottavino and Robertson because there weren't opportunities to win but at the same time they get rusty so it's like you gotta you know it's all about balance moderation you know the shtick by now Monday May 15th this was disappointing first of all the fact that it's a, th- a four o'clock game on a Monday afternoon what the fuck are we doing Seriously, you couldn't throw this at seven o'clock. What? What? Why? Why is it at four o'clock? Who is going to a four o'clock Monday game? Who's watching a four o'clock Monday game? Anyway, 10-3 loss. <laughs> David Peterson yet, yet again. Five innings, nine hits, six earned, two walks, five Ks. And then uh, they just threw Tommy Hunter to the wolves. They're like, dude. We don't have any arms in the bullpen, and you need to go out there and just give it your best. And he uh, he gave it his best. Three innings, four earned, six hits, two Ks. So, um, you know, offensively, it's like, I don't know, dude. I mean, Jack McNeil, two for four. Marte was two for four with a run. McNeil had a ribby and a run. You know, Lindor's one for four with a run. One for five for Nimmo with an RBI. It's just uh, the bats go silent every once in a while. So we talked about the emergence of Canna and Marte. Mark Canna over the last four games, not including this Rays game. Six for 16, 375 average, three doubles, two runs, two RBIs. Marte looked really bad at the plate tonight. He was just waving at shit. And I honestly think it might be time. And I know like... There's some, there's actually some good stats in his favor of late. I don't know if I have it here. No, it looks like I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't capture it, but it looks like he was about to break out. I think after tonight's performance, the way he was, he was, I mean, he like waved at the ball, uh, striking out one at bat, another at bat. He, he waves at it again, pops out. I think it's maybe just sit him for like a series or a, a game. Maybe sit him more often 
because I don't know if it's like mentally, physically, he just feels like he's off. Um, Brandon Nimmo is not off. He is on permanently, 24-7. 1.74, just tied for fifth in the NF in the National League for position players. Uh, Lindor is an interesting dude, and his numbers are interesting. 16 singles, 20 extra base hits, 14 doubles, 6 homers, tied for third in the National League in extra base, hit, extra base hits this season, but his OPS is below 800. Batting average is around 220-something, 230 maybe. So it's... And I have a question. Do we think that Francisco Lindor is going to actually play out his entire contract with the Mets? Oh, man. I don't, it doesn't, I, I don't get the feeling, the vibe that he's going to. It's a lot of money. I just don't see it. Would be, I mean, it, it depends. I think if he... If he's able to get the Mets to and win a World Series in the first five years of his contract, I think he plays out the rest of his days with the Mets. So we're looking at, they signed him, his first season was 2021, right? 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I'd say if we don't win a World Series by 2025, 2026, I think they're going to look to deal him. I don't know why I think that. He's just, you know, I, I know people love him. He's he's very polarizing. I mean, he's got a lot of fans that love him. He's got a lot of haters. I am not one of the haters. But there are times and moments, you know, like the Javi Baez, like thumbs down thing, where it's just like, oh, Francisco, what are you doing, dude? Not great, not great. So, but that's could be, you know, younger guy. He's like, what, 27 now, 28? So, I don't know. Tommy Pham, I know that we were so happy and pleased with Pham overperforming <laughs> over the over the certain stretch, and then he's been pretty bad since then. Four for 36, which is a 111 average over his last 16 games, and one for 17 over his last seven. So not great from Tommy. Um, oddly enough, I think the team is like kind of sorely missing LeCastro. It's like we had all the bits and pieces at the beginning of the season and it felt like, wow, this is a really well-rounded, robust, comprehensive team where it's like we have all the parts we need. There's nothing that we're really missing. And uh, and it's, you know, well, you know, then life happens. <laughs> so with David Peterson getting optioned to Syracuse, they brought out left-hander Josh Walker. And he had a... Rocky, I'd say Rocky debut tonight against the Rays where he had a couple guys get on base. I don't think he allowed any runs and he got out of the jam. So I think for the most part could be like first game jitters type of thing, but would be great if he could come like, especially as a lefty to come in and, and to give us that, uh, the lefty out of the pen against lefties would be humongous. So and he has some really great stats down at AAA. He's 28 years old, uh, 0.68 ERA down at AAA with Syracuse, and batters are hitting 130 against him. 34 strikeout percentage. I don't know what the heck that means. Fastball in the low 90s. Uh, curve slider change. He was a former starter. So uh, welcome to the club. And, you know... A little bit of an uneven debut. Not exactly like 
blowing my socks off, but at this point, I don't need my socks blown off. <laughs> I just need, uh, just keep my socks nice, warm, and toasty, okay? So uh, the Mets record when they score first in 2023, 13 and 2. Mm-hmm. When the opponent scores first, 7 and 20. And that's been kind of a running theme. We just get, we dig ourselves into a hole. Our starting pitching dig, digs us into a hole in that first inning or the first two or three innings, and we're unable to dig out of it. We're out, we've been outscored 37 to 9 in the first inning this season. Ooh. Now, I think back to last season, it seemed like we were always getting a run, at least a run in that first inning. I, there, were, there weren't a ton of games where we weren't scoring in the first inning. And you don't think too much about that until you see stats like that, and you're like, okay, we need to fucking get the engine started a little bit quicker. Get off to a hot start, a fast start, and, and get us out in the lead. Um, Mets pitching ranks this season, 4.73 ERA, which is uh, 22nd, 1.35 whip tied for 20th, 243 batting average against, which is 14th, and six quality starts, which is tied for 29th. We're just not getting quality starts. And as we mentioned in the last episode, it puts, it taxes your bullpen and it puts, it puts an inordinate amount of pressure on your offense. It's like, it's hard not to, as a batter, as a hitter to think about that. Like, okay, well, we need, we need to score eight runs. So if we score two in this run, you know, it's like, I was doing that the other day. Uh, What game was it? I think it was the 10, three loss. Where I was like, okay, so it's the eighth inning. We we started to get we had a little bit of rally going in that eighth inning, where it was uh we had the bases juiced in the eighth, and I was like, okay, so we just hit a grand slam here, and we had a grand slam the next inning, and we're tied, baby. <laughs> like, uh, I am completely delusional. I fucking fully realize that. I am completely self-aware that I'm delusional. There was a tweet about the Mets fans taking the blue pill or uh, or uh, it was some kind of meme fe- featuring Jim from The Office. And I and I liked it and quoted it. And I said, yep, blue pills all day. And my, my Washington Nationals friend, buddy from college who's a Nats fan, was like, yeah, I think you're like overdosing on copium. And it's like, hell yeah, dude. I am delusional as hell right now. I don't think I've ever been this delusional when it comes to the Mets. Again, I think it's because of last year's performance. I think if you don't have last year's performance, then I don't think that my delusion is as high as it is this year. Uh, let's take a look here. David Peterson. We've been talking a lot about him, but it's it's interesting to look at. I mean, last year, 7-5, 19 games started, 28 games uh, that he appeared in, 3.83 ERA, 1.33 whip, 10.7 Ks per nine, 0.9 homers per nine, 236 batting average against. Oh my God. Who would you murder for that stat line this year? What is their name? What do they do? Where do they live? What's their family like? Who would you murder to get that stat line this year? <laughs> I've got a running list. Um, yeah, so it's not so great this year. One in six and eight games started, eight ERA, 1.74 whip, and uh, 329 batters average, batting average against with uh, almost two home runs per nine. Mm. 
Let's all do time warp again. Is that how it goes? The Rocky Horror Picture Show, one of the creepiest, weirdest movies ever. Uh, my God. If he could ever get back to that 2022 stat line, my man, we would be in such a better position. Because Tyler McGill is kind of holding steady. Not great, but good-ish. Average to above average. If if Peterson could give us that and match what McGill's giving us, I mean, you got to imagine we'd be above 500 right now, no? We went 50. At what point during the slump, we went 50 straight innings without a home run? I mean, uh, you know, it's a power outage, pretty much. The Mets have been shut out. Talked about shutouts. Mets have been shut out for, uh, I think, the 5 0 loss, the Reds, was the seventh time we've been shut out this season the first time we got shut out last season was june 2nd we're we're currently may 16th <laughs> so it's it was unfamiliar to be shut out so many times in this year and uh we were only shut out eight times all of last season so we're gonna we're we're definitely gonna hit that and exceed that <sighs> so yeah but again it's because of all that success we had last year and because we retained most of the our awesome talent from last year and we added more talent this year, you would think we'd be better. And maybe, and I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. I don't see any point in getting so frazzled at this point in the season. I don't. Especially when you see some positive signs of life, right? Yes, the 5-0 loss against the Reds blows. There's no two ways around it. Splitting the series against the Nats, showing a little bit of fight against the Rays tonight when it seemed like all was lost. We were down 7-1 at one point. We lose 8-5, right? So it's not like, it's, this team, you know, for everyone who's like, well, I want to see emotion and passion and anger and da-da-da and then throwing bats and what a that I would like I'd more want to see that like fighting when uh the game looks appears to be lost. You know, even in that 10-3 loss, like getting guys on base late and you know, McNeil getting a base hit, Escobar coming up with a pinch hit, can I get on base? You know, I think stuff like that is just good to see, you know. And uh, there's no one I would rather have at the helm. Can you imagine if we still had what's his face? I've already forgotten his friggin' name. <laughs> uh, Louis Rojas. Can you imagine if we had Louis Rojas as our manager right now? I would feel a lot worse. The fact that we have Buck Showalter, and uh, you can tell Buck's kind of like he's steamed, and, he, and rightfully so, he should be. They need to play better. But uh, there's no one I'd rather have. You can you imagine if we had Louis Rojas? Ugh. We have Buck Showalter. Praise be. A lot of faith in Buck. And I know people are going to hate this, but Daniel Vogelback is not the problem. But I wonder if he is someone that the Mets dangle at the trade deadline. Pains me to say it because I love the guy. And his stat line is great, but he I don't think he's giving the Mets what they want out of the DH position. 270 batting average. 407 OBP, 812 OPS, 
four doubles, two homers, 13 RBI, seven runs, 137 uh, WRC plus, 127 OPS plus. He's leading the Mets in on-base percentage and having a very solid season. The problem is two home runs. And that's all, and 13 RBIs. That's all people are going to look at. This dude can get on base. He could have a thousand on base percentage. People don't care because that's not what they want from him, even though that's not who he is. Yes, he has power. And yes, he's shown that he can hit a lot of home runs. He's just not doing it. He's just walking and getting on base. And that's, that's where you have to make a tough decision. Do we want a DH that just gets on base or do we want a DH that's knocking in runs? And that's ultimately going to be the deciding factor and what his fate is going to be with the Mets for the rest of 2023. It's going to be like, do you shop around and say, hey, he gets on base, but we need a guy that hits dongs. So uh, it'll be interesting to, have, interesting to see how things play out with him, but you can't. You can't say that he stinks or he sucks or that, you know, people give him so much shit. And it's like, ah, he just needs to hit more home runs, but that's not what he's doing. So I don't know. Maybe that, you know, and that's that's going to be tough for the Mets because it's like at some point you got to start making some tough decisions if this gets really out of hand. I don't think this is out of hand. I know it's historic and it's nuts what's going on. Right, I don't think a lot of people expected anything like this, playing such bad baseball against such bad teams. So, but I don't know that the really hard decisions have to come just yet. Francisco Alvarez. Now, I was underwhelmed, as were a lot of Mets fans, when it came to Francisco Alvarez. But in his last twelve games, he's hitting three twenty three with three walks, one. 059 OPS, two doubles, three homers, five ribbies, five runs scored. His average went from 667 to 241. His OPS went from 133 to 725. So he's turned around offensively, and I think he's even uh, done a much better job defensively. Still not throwing out a lot of guys, but I mean, like the throw tonight was right on the money. It was, I mean, he just missed by a half a millisecond, you know, throwing that guy out. Um, and like I said, in a, in a lot of episodes, the cards are stacked against them anyway. And, and most catchers in the major league baseball with the new rules. So showing signs of, uh, a guy that is going to be our franchise catcher for years to come. He made a bonehead mistake on the base pass, getting thrown out with the bases loaded on a, a, a you know, huge opportunity to get some runs. That's kind of what you have to live with, with a rookie. Right, with most rookies, they're gonna make rookie mistakes. A lot of that stuff just doesn't happen down the minors. So good to see that he's on the up and up. And uh, I still kind of wonder what his impact is. Like, is the starting rotation? You know, I guess I would have to take a closer look at like starting rotation with Nito behind the plate versus Alvarez behind the plate. Is there that much of a difference? Is Alvarez actually, you know, I know he had a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if it was a disagreement or he had a pretty heated talk. I don't know. Serious talk with Drew Smith coming off the field after Drew Smith gave up a, a crucial run. So is he calling the right pitches? I mean, I know that people are in love with uh, 
his frame jobs, his frame jobs are friggin' weird, dude. I've never seen frame jobs like that, where it's like, I'm gonna, I mean, not even, but <laughs> I can't, if I'm an umpire, I don't know how, it's gotta mess with your mind. I mean, this guy is like, ball so far out of the strike zone and like quickly snapping it up and bring it to into the strike zone. Every, I mean, every, I think it's a good thing, but part of me is like, dude, I think you're going to end up costing you calls because umpires are on to you and they're more, I think they're, I mean, may, I need, I would need to talk to an umpire and be like, what do you think about this? Is this, are you more apt to call strikes seeing this? Or are you more apt to call a ball? Cause you think this guy's trying to like dupe you every time. I don't know. Mets record when scoring five plus runs. Last season, 76 and five. This season, 14 and five. Yeah, so we're not scoring a ton of runs. You know, like I said, the focus has been so much on the bad pitching, but like the offense is just not scoring runs. So where do we stand? What do the standings look like? Uh, with this loss, they're 20 and 23. They were six and a half back for the Braves. Uh the Marlins, they're now in fourth place. The Marlins and Phillies have leapfrogged them. They're half a game ahead. I think the Marlins won tonight, so they're now a full game ahead. And uh, we're only two and a half, two games ahead of the Nationals. Woof. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's still so early. <laughs> it's still so early. We're like a quarter of the season, 25%. There's 75% of the season left, folks. We got three more of these sections. And if this is our worst section, we're looking pretty good. So uh, I know that we were surprised that the Dodgers were struggling so much. Well, they have taken off ever since then. They're now 27-15. I don't know how they did tonight. Uh, for as much as we are worried about the Padres and as much press as the Padres get for their payroll and all the players that they have and the talent they have, they're this, they were the same record as us entering tonight, 20-22. and 22. The Pirates have come back down to earth. The Pirates were on a friggin' tear, and they have they have now uh, they have now given up first place to the Brewers. So strikes and gutters, you know, as Big Lebowski would say. So looking ahead, I know we're talking about Game One uh, with the Rays. I honestly thought this was our best chance to win. You have Verlander on the mound going against a guy named Beaks. Who was one and two with a five four ERA coming into this coming into this game, and uh, I think he only ended up throwing two innings. Um, so it's kind of just uh, that I think is the most disappointing is that the Rays had to go through a lot of their bullpen and we just could not really get to where we needed to be. But also Verlander just having a ugh, tough outing and two home runs, something like that, eight hits, six earned. So. It'd be nice to steal one from the Rays, pick one of three. And then the series against the Guardians. I know I said this about the series against the Reds and the Nats, but that feels like a series that you gotta win. And that you got and it would be nice to get a sweep just to get out of this funk. Um Guardians are five and five in their last ten. I don't know how they did tonight, but they uh, actually have a better record on the road than they do at home. And we get to see our buddies. Andre Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario. I meant to look into how they're doing to see how they're doing. And uh, I'd be curious now that we are 
three seasons, not three full seasons, but two and a quarter seasons into this trade with us getting Carrasco and Lindor and them getting Jimenez and Rosario. How would you evaluate that trade at this point? Would you still do that trade? I'm going to say yes without even seeing uh, Jimenez and Rosario's stats, but it would be interesting to to look at that. <laughs> um, but the, the Guardians are playing sub-500 baseball. So again, this is another bad team that we should, that should be the, the slump buster. You know, so that's the Mets. Woof. Quickly talk about the Devils. Need a big pour for the New Jersey Devils. I'm going to pour one out for the New Jersey Devils 2022-2023 season. I legit thought they were going to win that game last Thursday. Game five? I really thought that we were going to get back within a game in the series, forced to game six. Uh, Schmid, Akira was uh, back to his old self, old form. You know, good Akira, good Schmid. And uh, we had so many friggin' opportunities in that game to put it away. I mean, obviously the biggest one was Timo Meyer with the open net and woofing, whiffing as uh, Jack Hughes goes... Uh, ass overhead and crashes to the to the ice. I just felt like we had so many goddamn opportunities in that game. We could not put away Carolina. Of course they scored a tie it up and then go into overtime and I just I called it quits. So I was like, I don't and uh the the Devils end up losing there. The Hurricanes, man. What would life be like without the Carolina Hurricanes for the New Jersey Devils? I wonder sometimes. I wonder if there's a, if there's an alternate timeline where the, the Hurricanes didn't friggin' exist and the Devils would be such a happier franchise not having to deal with them. But it shows a lot to be able to go into a hostile environment like Carolina and Raleigh and compete and almost come out with the win. Uh, I think if we face any other team on en route to the to the Stanley, like we go to the Stanley Cup. I really do feel that. Like if uh, somehow Carolina gets upset in the first round, I think we we go to the Stanley Cup. I think Carolina was really the only team that was gonna take it to us and be our our our, our hardest opponent. Like you look at the was it the Panthers and the Leafs or something like that. It's like I think of the two, the Panthers probably are the ones that are gonna probably put up the heart the 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 biggest fight. But you got to feel good about the future of the Devils. I know there has been a lot of talk on Twitter and the news in my news feed about Jesper Bratt. Like, is he going to return? There are some trade proposals being out there. I know that uh, I think Jack Hughes made some comments about how some other guys in the Devils had to take pay cuts to be here because they feel strongly about it. So would suck to lose Bratt for sure because he was such a huge contributor in the regular season and has been for so long. But, uh, like, dude, where were you in the postseason? <laughs> where were you in the playoffs? Same with Timo. And I know Timo had that vicious hit that kind of uh, must have been tough to get back on the ice, you know, with the new new mask and, like, and play at the same kind of level that you're used to. But Jack Hughes showed up big time. Love that dude. And his brother looks pretty solid, too. Of course, you know, uh, some highs and some lows throughout the the playoffs, you know, some really good highlights and really uh, 
not so great lowlights, but that's promising for the future. And it's possible Schmid turns out to be the next guy for us. So I don't see us winning 52 games next year. It was cool to have a franchise record. That was uh, something to hang your hat on. And uh, let's keep it rolling. I, I really would like to see us, for the for the duration of Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer's stay with the Devils, I hope they become lifelong Devils, and I really hope that they're, like, we're in the playoffs every year. We got to be in contention every year. Like, there's no going back now. <laughs> Please, God. You know, I think the... Uh, that was tough from 2013 to 2018. And then you think you have something in 2018 and, and, and you know, Taylor Hall's, you know, not feeling it. So that's the devils. That's about all I got for you in the devils. Let's talk the New York football giants schedule got released May 12th. Is that Friday, Thursday of last week. It's now the 16th. I'm a little late to the game. And you've probably heard all the takes. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to be this guy that's going to jump on this bandwagon that the uh, the weepy, flooded with tears bandwagon, where we are crying and complaining and whining about how the NFL schedule makers fucked us. I'm not going to do that. I looked at this schedule, and I am going to walk you through the schedule, but knowing what... We have in our GM, our coach, our quarterback, our hopefully running back, new tight end, new wide receiver, new corner, new starting center. We're better on paper than we were last year on paper. Now, I mean, you know, the New York Mets are better on paper this year than they were last year. And then the proof is in the pudding. I get it. So hopefully there's not a regression that the Giants have that the Mets are having right now. But I want to say this. A lot of people saying eight and nine. Mm-mm. A lot of people complaining about all the primetime games, and I know we stink in the primetime. I get it. But it's a new era. It's the dawn of a new era, and we're going to flip the script, okay? History does not... We're going to learn from history, and we are going to buck the trend. And it starts with week one. Sunday night football. Dallas Cowboys coming into MetLife Stadium. A lot of people hoping to face the Cowboys week one. I am kind of sick of facing the Cowboys week one. I'm one of the few, I think. I'm in the minority there where it's like, I'd just rather not. I'd rather, I don't know. I'd rather face them later on the season. Uh, but I, 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 I get it. I get it. I just don't want it. But that being said... We're coming out with a dub. I feel it. I feel it coming. I feel it coming, babe. We're 1-11 in our last 12 meetings. That's a fact. No one's disputing that. But we're flipping the script this year. That's the mantra heading into the 2023 season. There's no more of the doldrums and the slumps and the, the curse and all that. We're reversing the curse in 2023. Everything you thought you knew will change forever. <laughs> Every TV promo ever is basically what I just did. But we're getting the dub against Dallas week one, Sunday night football. I know we suck against primetime. I know we suck in primetime. I know we suck against Dallas. 
that ain't gonna happen this time. We're coming out guns blazing and we're gonna show the country that we belong because there were a lot of people that didn't think we should have gone to the postseason last year. A lot of people who thought we should have tanked after starting seven and one. What are you thinking? Yes, we had an easier schedule in the first half of the season last year. We had one, I mean, how many times did we go into a game in the second half of the season where I said, we have the second toughest schedule in the league. We have the, we have, we have the toughest schedule in the league heading down the stretch. And uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be tougher. That's, that's like, that's, I mean, like, guys, when you make the playoffs, <laughs> it's like, I can't believe I have to remind people about this, but when you make the playoffs, your schedule becomes tougher. That's how that goes. We didn't make the playoffs the previous in, in 2021. We had a fairly, not so much a cakewalk schedule in 2022, but it was easier than it is this year because we made the playoffs last year. I mean, the fact that anyone has to explain that is is banana land. Yes, this is a lot of primetime games, but it's time that we stop fearing primetime and start embracing it. How does that sound? So I want to know after, after one week, want to know. And you know what? I know a lot of people have said, well, we're going to be in such a deep hole in that first quarter of the season. Look at that. I mean, we got to travel back to back, blah, blah, blah. I get it. It's a different team. We're going to go to Arizona and we're going to win. Would you believe me if I told you that we've played 129 games against the Cardinals franchise? <laughs> Uh, I'm an old, right? I'm an old fart. So uh, that makes sense to me because we were in the same division for so long and we played them twice a year. That being said, 129 games still feels like a lot. We own them historically, all time. 81 wins versus 46 losses and two ties. So it's a 63.6% winning percentage. Of all our opponents in 2023, that's the highest winning percentage. Now, recent history, not so great. We're one in four in our last five matchups dating back to 2011. And if you remember that 2011 game, we probably should have lost. So, but this is, this is the, um, this is what's happening with 2023. Reverse the curse. We're bucking the trend. One in 11 in our last 12 meetings. Doesn't matter. One in four in our last five. Doesn't matter. This is a new team, new era. I will admit the short turnaround to go to San Francisco for Thursday Night Football on Prime Video at Levi Stadium. Ooh, yeah, it's going to be painful. So that's a loss. Yes, obviously, that's a loss. Uh, historically, we played 34 games against San Francisco, and it's dead even. 50-50, 17 wins, 17 losses. We are 2-3 and three in our last five meetings, dating back to 2014. That said... Would anyone be shocked if we pull out a win here? The quarterback situation is kind of a mess, is it not? Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, Jimmy G leaves. I'm just saying, I don't think it's going to be uh, as kumbaya as people think it's going to be. That said, it's probably a loss, but hopefully a close loss. Week four, Monday night football. Again, we stink in prime time. I get it. This one's at home against Seattle. In 20 games against Seattle, we're 10 and 10, five, uh, you know, 50% winning percentage. We are one in four in our last five, dating back to 2013, and it has not been pretty. It has been ugly. 
they have been a they have been the boogeyman pretty much for us for a while now. I want to say dating back 2005. We all remember that 2005 game. Blech. Jay Feely. God damn you, Jay Feely. You know it's bad when Dane Cook is 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 spoofing you on Saturday Night Live. Ugh. That said, that's a win. Yeah. I know. Hey, it, 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 feel free. Feel free. We're three and one in the first quarter of the season. And that's because it's uh, an Arizona team that I just don't believe in. A Dallas team uh, that is fraudulent, I'll say. I don't think they're all they're cracked up to be, despite uh, how strong their defense appeared throughout the season last year. Um, I think they lose Ezekiel Elliott, which is probably a good thing. Dalton Schultz, they lose. Um, it's possible. I don't know. I just got a, I got a hunch that we're gonna we're gonna stun them opening week one. Arizona, I think, is uh, house of cards, <laughs> pun intended. And uh, San Francisco, we're gonna give them a fight. In Seattle, I think the Geno Smith Comeback Player of the Year award was really great. Congratulations. I don't see him putting back-to-back seasons together. I don't see him stringing that together. And I think that he comes back down to earth. Week five. This is a rare one o'clock game. Sunday at Miami against the Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium on Fox. We've only played 10 games against Miami. Isn't that weird? That's This is what I disagree with. And uh, I mean... And I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me. But I am a huge proponent of territorial rivalries. So why is it that I live in Jersey, I'm a Giants fan, and we just don't play the Jets every year? Why don't we play the Bills every year? Why don't we play the Patriots every year? Why don't we play? We should be playing the people in our region, the teams in our region every year. And that you think, oh no, like what, huh? Like, but then uh, uh, conference games, there's still room. We got 17 games, folks. So it's six games against your division. You have four games against the the, uh, other East division, AFC East. You got seven games left. You have four of those against uh, NFC teams, three against uh, AFC teams. Or if we want to go five NFC teams, two AFC teams, I'm fine with that too. There's plenty of plenty of rooms of room, okay. I am a, I want to push for playing the AFC East every year, every freaking year, and I guarantee it will. It's you're only gonna see positives out of that, no negatives. We own the Dolphins historically, by the way. We're seven and three. Uh. So that stat I had about the Cardinals where we have the highest winning percentage of all our opponents, it's actually against the Dolphins. So hopefully ugh, you didn't uh, tune out after that. But we're 4-1 and one in our last five games against Miami dating back to 2007. That saying, that said, this friggin' Miami team is unpredictable, inconsistent, wild card. The fact that they at times look pretty bad the fact that they have Tua who's like one concussion away from like um meeting bone thugs and harmony at the crossroads like it's but yet t- 
taking a third string quarterback into a game against a division rival in the playoffs in Buffalo and giving them the ride of their life and probably being in a position to win if one or two things go differently. If this game is in MetLife, it's a win. It's at Miami. Strange, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I have a so that a loss, probably a close loss, but it just it feels like a loss. So, okay, we have a three and one start. We lose to Miami, and I think we go into Buffalo. And this is a game that a lot of people have us pulling out an upset win. And I'm right there with you. I just think it's going to be a close loss. It's going to be on NBC Sunday Night Football. That's going to be huge at Highmark Stadium. We've only, again, we've only played 13 games against Buffalo. Why? It just doesn't make sense. 10 games against Miami, 13 against Buffalo. It doesn't make sense. We're six and seven historically. Uh, three and two in our last five, dating back to 2003. I, honest to God, forgot the last time we we played them. <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago. The last matchup was in 2019. It was week two. We had a guy starting at quarterback. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Eli Manning. It was a 28-14 loss. And uh, Eli threw two picks. Wasn't a great game for him. We were kind of in the game in the first quarter, and then the Buffalo went off in the second quarter. Can you guess who the receivers were for Eli Manning on that freaking day in 2019? Take a wild guess. You will not get any of them right. Cody Latimer, Cody Core, TJ Jones, Benny Fowler, Russell Shepard. <laughs> and people criticize Eli. It's like, give any quarterback of any era that wide receiver core you're not you're not winning i'm sorry tj jones cut a touchdown by the way <laughs> so that's probably a loss but i think that again is going to be the kind of loss the loss against miami and the loss against buffalo are going to hurt because it's like oh we could have won but it's going to put us in the talk like on good morning football they're going to be like hey it's time we start paying closer attention to the New York Giants and start considering them as contenders. So at this point, what are we? We're three and three. We're at the 500 mark. Ah, shit, right? Well, luckily for us, we have the Washington Commanders coming in <laughs> to MetLife. Uh, one o'clock game, another one o'clock game. We played 180 games against this team from Washington, nation's capital. We have 105 wins. And uh, it puts us at a, around a 60% winning percentage clip. We're 7-4-1 in our last 12 meetings against them. And really the big question for Washington, I believe, is just quarterback. Who's the quarterback, right? Is it uh, Sam Howell? Is it... <gasps> oh, no. I forgot his name. Oh, Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. So, uh, but we've seen that the, the commander's defense can pretty much will them to victories almost. And it's like if they just had some consistent good quarterback play, they might have swept us last year. I mean, they, we had the time, we had the the win that Washington uh, rightfully so had some things to say about uh, Darnay Holmes and his coverage tactics at the end of that game. But, you know, I I still feel confident against Washington. So I think that at home, we at least get a tie, right? <laughs> we have five ties against Washington. I mean, I know it's 180 games and like that's bound to happen, but there's no one else on this list that comes close to five ties. So 
fuck it. Let's have another tie. It's cool, right? You good with that, Washington? All right. So what are we? Three, three, and one. <laughs> All right. I'll say four and three. I think we eke out a win there. And we have the Jets. It's going to be huge. This is right before Halloween, another one o'clock game on CBS. I guess it's technically a home game for us, which is kind of interesting because we had a lot, we had one more home game because there are 17 games, right? There's going to be an uneven amount of home and away. And I think we have more home games than away games last season. And uh, this season it's the opposite, right? So it alternates. I think the NFC teams have less home games. The AFC teams have more home games this year. So we have less home games. This is technically our home game, um, but it's really like a home game for the Jets. So it's like who in the Jets organization is bribing the front office of the National Football League? I mean, can you believe that we've only played them 14 times in the regular season? That's wrong, dude. We play them every year in the preseason and it's like cool, but it's not cool because it's like it's, uh, it doesn't mean anything and people try to say it's a Snoopy Bowl. And it's like, ugh, what a horrible name for a preseason football game. Let's play them every year, dude. I mean, I like the Mets should play the Yankees every year. Like it's just, it's just good for the sport. So uh, I'm starting a petition. I would like your signature. Anyway, we're, we've got the edge in those 14 games. Eight wins against six losses. We're three and two in the last five, dating back to 2003. And despite uh, the how high Jets fans mu- must be with Aaron Rodgers now at the helm, uh, I don't think it's the same old Aaron Rodgers. And I know that he's got, a, a, some are saying, more weapons with the Jets than he did with the Packers. They they brought over Lazard. I think they brought in Randall Cobb. Uh, the, the I guess the jury is still out on who's the tight end that he loves. <laughs> Marcellus Rivers? No. Who's the tight end that he loves? I don't know. We'll probably bring him in as well. I think this is going to be a knockdown, drag him out affair. Uh, back when we knew who the opponents would be for 2023, I said the same thing. It's basically, it's going to be, I think it's going to just be a slobber knocker, as as John Madden would say, RIP. But I think we we pull it out at the end, much like we did against the Packers last year in London. So where are we at? Four and three, five and th- five and three through eight. Pretty decent. I don't hate it. Then we then we travel to Vegas. It's gonna be a uh, late afternoon game, four twenty-five, right before my birthday. And what better gift than sticking it to Josh McDaniels and his new and his reunion with Jimmy G, and uh, and Darren Waller going off and having an amazing revenge game at Las Vegas against the Raiders. We've only played them fourteen times in our franchise history and we've been on the losing end more times than not can you believe that it was six and eight uh in those 14 games however we're four and one in our last five dating back to 2005 that 2005 game new year's eve whoa tiki barber running for a 95 yard touchdown me throwing up all over my um <laughs> my buddy's family heirloom blanket eee. All right, so whoa, we're at six and three, guys. Six and three, heading into the final stretch, almost week ten, Sunday, four twenty-five at Dallas. This is a loss, but it'll be competitive. 
much like I think the Thanksgiving game was last season where it's like it wasn't completely out of hand. We had our chances. We had our opportunities. I think you're going to see a little bit of the same this year. Um, and it's and it's time we get Dallas's respect. They do not respect us. Philly does not respect us. We got to get some respect on our name. And I think we do that in week 10, even though it's a loss. I think it's like, you know, we stick it to them. So now where are we? Whoa, whoa. Where are we at now? Six and four? Yeah, six and four. Eh, it's not bad. Let me go to Washington. And this is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I think uh, we could very well lose this game coming off a very hard-fought game against Dallas. This is a 1 o'clock game on Fox at FedEx Field. Uh, who knows where Washington stands at that point? They could be in shambles or they could be in contention. I don't know. That's one of those teams where I don't have a very good read on them. History would history would uh, <laughs> indicate that they probably, you know, uh, are bungling opportunities to advance and and be competitive. But I, I, you know, that defense man is so good, and if they can just figure out their quarterback play, um, it could be a whole new world. But I still think we come out the dub. Yeah, bro. Seven and four. Heading into week 12. We're now in the final kind of four. No, not yet. Oh, boy. We got a home game against the Patriots. And it's uh, the week, the day is Sunday after Thanksgiving. It's a one o'clock game at home. We are not good against the Patriots in the regular season. In 11 regular season games, we're four and seven. And we're one and four in our last five meetings dating back to 03. Why? I mean, there, there are a few games in there that we probably should have won. I mean, uh, I, I bring it up every time, but goddamn, Landon Collins, just secure the ball. If we pick off Tom Brady, then we win that game in 2015. And who knows how that season turns out? Anyway, Tom Brady not with the Patriots anymore. Mac Jones, is he the future? Probably not. I don't know. Joe Judge is the quarterback's coach? Yeah. Patricia, I guess, is back in the fold. I don't know. I think they brought back another guy, Nathaniel Hackett, maybe. I don't know. So who knows? I mean, Belichick could turn things around. Um, I'm not expecting this to be a cakewalk or, or, or you know, I think this is going to be one of those games where uh, it's going to be tough. Like, it's just, it's not going to be easy. But I think we pull it out at the end, uh, thanks to our defense. This is going to be a defensive game. And I think our defense wink is gonna is gonna dial up something nice and sweet for that ass. And you know what? We're gonna unload the chamber. We're gonna unload the chamber against those New England Patriots because we gotta buy in week 13. Or we could be facing the Brigham Young Elite. I think that's what BYE stands for. Either way, we're winning that week big time. All right, so what are we at? I think I had us at seven and four. And then I had us at eight and four. Things are looking great. And then we get the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football. MetLife Stadium. We're three and two in our last five. We played 55 games. Like, isn't it weird that we've played 55 regular season games against the Packers, but only like 10 against the Dolphins? That's weird. Uh, we are on the losing end of most of those games. 24 and 29 with two ties. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll have a much better idea 
of what Jordan Love is. Is Jordan Love the next Aaron Rodgers? Just like is Aaron Rodgers the next Brett Favre? I think a lot of people were saying that in 2008. And Brett Favre, uh, Aaron Rodgers came out and it was like pretty awesome. So maybe we're going to see some of the similar situation. It's almost like I'd rather face Aaron Rodgers than Jordan Love. What? It's possible. So I still have a uh, dialing up a win here. I know Jordan Love is not a rookie, but I still feel confident with Wink against younger quarterbacks. I think he knows how to like make him see ghosts, Sam Darnold style. So I have us with a win there. So we're at what, nine and four? Oh man, we're nine and four, y'all. And then we go into New Orleans, and I think we lose against the Saints. In 31 games historically, we we've got the best of them. We're we got a 17 and four record against them. Um, we're three and two in our last five, dating back to 2012. There were some real interesting games in that span. <laughs> and even though. Oh my God, I don't even know who the Saints quarterback is right now. And that is pathetic. It's Derek Carr. Jesus Christ, Neil. Yeah, so Derek Carr is the quarterback. We've already seen what Derek Carr can offer. We've already beaten Derek Carr. I'm not scared of Derek Carr. There, I said it. Despite what's going on in New Orleans, maybe it's a little bit of renaissance. Their defense is legitimate. Top five unit. Uh, I think they missed their window. And yeah, maybe they are a playoff team. And yeah, maybe they do win the division in the South. I just don't think they're at the kind of level that um, that scares me anymore. But at the same time, that's a loss. <laughs> I do think I do think we go in there and we lose. And I think it's a letdown game. You know, I think people, I don't know if we'll be favored, probably not. But I think a lot of Giants fans are thinking that we'll go in there and win because it's Derek Carr and because like maybe that offense is not exactly what it used to be with Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, you know, I don't know who knows what's going on with Kamara. Um, but I do think we, we lose that one close, you know, I think it's, uh, it'll come down to one or two plays, but I do think we, we drop that one. Um, and it'll be, it'll be a tough one to swallow. It'll be deflating because I think that at that point in the season, we're looking to win the division and to drop that is going to be a heartbreaker. And it's not going to get any prettier after that because I think that we do lose at Philly. We play Philly two of the three final weeks. What the frig? I kind of love it. <laughs> I don't, uh, I kind of love it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do like it a lot. So, but we just can't win in Philly. It's just a, it's a foregone conclusion. We've played 178 games historically against this friggin' franchise, and we're 86, 90, and two, two and ten in our last 12 meetings. And uh, I, I, I refuse to go back further than that. Even though my Eagles fan friend, my F, reminds me every two seconds about how atrocious we've been against them for so long. Um, yeah, it's a Monday. Uh, this is the uh, Christmas Day game, 4:30. So Merry Christmas, Giants fans. Uh, make sure you get plenty of eggnog in the system because this is going to be... <laughs> but it's a good barometer. This will be a good litmus test. It'll show, okay, are we the 2022 Giants that people said got lucky and favorable schedule and the ball bounced our way and blah, blah, blah. Or are we the 2023 Giants and we are proven... Winners, we are a proven team. We are contenders. Like we, 
for us to go into Philadelphia and get blown out again, that's going to suck. Let's not have that happen. Let's also not have it like a heart-wrenching loss like we have in so many frigging games in Philly. But at the same time, like let's make it close and competitive. That'd be great. Thanks. But that's that's a loss. So now we're looking at what was it? We were at uh nine and four, nine and five, nine and six. So we're at nine and six, right? Not exactly running away with the division. I don't think that puts us as num at the top spot in the division. I think that gives us like the first or second wild card, probably a second wild card. But it's tenuous, right? Nine and six. That's not like a sure thing. Like just like last year wasn't a sure thing when we were at eight and seven, six and one or whatever the hell we were. We had to beat the Colts. And that's what the Rams are going to be to us this year. They're going to be last year's Colts. The Los Angeles Rams, New Year's Eve, one o'clock at home. It's time we take it out on these motherfuckers hard. Y'all remember 5117? Because I do. These assholes have been such a thorn in not only my side, but the franchise's side for so long. So many bad memories against this friggin' franchise. Flipper Anderson, don't even get me started. Jim Everett, oh my God. Home game. New Year's Eve, one o'clock. We're two and three in our last five meetings dating back to 2014. We are atrocious against this franchise. 44 games total. We're 16 and 28. It's time we bludgeon these dickheads. Sean McVay is out the door. Aaron Donald retired, I think. Cooper Cup, is he going to be the same after the injury? Matthew Stafford, is he past his prime? Does he even care anymore? I honestly think this is our opportunity to absolutely shove it down their throats and get the kind of confidence we need to, to, to welcome Philadelphia and the Eagles into our home and take care of biz. So we're at, we're at uh, 10 and 6 now? We're going 11 and 6. That's right, folks. Philly, it's TBD, but this is the win that's going to set us up to go into the postseason. Uh, with a mindset that we can beat anyone. 11-6, that's where I got us. And I know you're like, you're, you're a freaking idiot, dude. I know a lot of people have eight at nine. Eight and nine, I don't think that's going to get us in the postseason. And I cannot see us missing the postseason after what we put together last year. And yeah, I get it. I understand it. Tougher schedule, a lot of primetime games. We stink in primetime. Fine. All that in consideration. I just laid out to you the roadmap to 11 and 6. Now, what games are you so worried about that we're going to lose? Now, I, I know Vegas and the Ozmakers have us favored in seven games, which is five more than they favored us in last year. And look how that turned out. So Vegas doesn't know all. The house doesn't always win. So you might say, okay, we get swept by Dallas. Okay, we get swept by the Eagles. Yeah. That drops us down. Now we're in a spot where we could be seven and ten. It's it's I don't see that happening this year. I know that we sucked in our division last year. It's just not gonna happen. We it can't happen this year and it won't. So I have us eleven and six. I mean, it's you know, John Michael Schmitz has a tall order ahead of him, tall task with Philly, for sure. Like, and that's why those lat that like the two of three 
facing them two times in three weeks holy crap dude it's gonna be all out war and it could be for the division um i don't see us winning the division but i don't see like i see us i could see us going coming in second for sure i don't see philly going 14 and 3 again or what yeah 14 and 3 i don't see it i think jalen hurts comes back down to earth I don't know that that offensive line is still what it was. Yeah, you still have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I think they still have their tight end. The hell's his name? Oh, my God. The guy I hate so much. I tend to block, block, out, block, out, block out these names because they just bring me so much <laughs> sorrow. So I, I try not to remember them because it's like, why should I? They bring me so much pain. But, uh, yeah, we're not getting swept this year by anyone. We're splitsies. At worst, we're splitsies. So, uh, yeah, we have to travel a lot. But I, the, the fact that we got that work, I love the late season bye. That week 13 bye, like whenever we have a bye in week four or five, it just sucks. And so I think that's why um, I'm a huge fan of week 13 bye. And it's like, how would you, what would you rather have? What we had last year where it's like, Fairly easier first half of the schedule and then a hellish second half of the schedule. Or would you rather have a like knock down, drag them out first half of the schedule and then uh, we can lick our wounds and, and get better for that second half and take that momentum into the postseason? I kind of like like throwing, getting thrown into the fire that first half, see what you got. And then, you know, you can, you can kind of get a better sense of like, okay, we went toe-to-toe with some of the better teams in the first half, and we came out of it right around 500. And now we're, we're, we know what we have, and we know what we got to do in the second half. My God, those, if, like, if all goes according to plan, and of all things, all things happen, like I just said, that last Christmas through New Year's, the week after New Year's, those three weeks are going to be <laughs> insane in the membrane. All right. That's the show. Thanks for listening. More importantly, thanks for watching. And I cannot wait to talk to you guys soon. It's going to be amazing. Adios, muchachos.